with tea and the clay. Today I have a podcast that I recorded back in 2015. Uh, this is with uh, Jody Herman, uh, who's with the Williams Institute, and Sari Rasner, who's with the Fenway Institute. Uh, we were talking about uh, both institutes' new uh, U.S. Transgender Population Health Survey, which they're calling TransPOP. Now, at the time, it was just released. P- people were just starting to talk about it. At the time, they just reported that they were starting this project. Uh, to this date, I don't think they've started collecting any data, but they do have a website. Um, I hope to have them back in the future once things probably progress more, to talk more about how things are going, and perhaps even much later, uh, talk about potential findings. So with that, let's hear from Sari and Jody on Transpop. I want to thank you both for talking with me about the Transpop project. But first, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Jody Herman, and um, I'm a scholar of public policy at the Williams Institute, which is housed in the UCLA School of Law. And uh, it's a research center that's dedicated to sexual orientation and gender identity law and policy issues. And um, I, at the Williams Institute, my work has focused primarily on um, the issues that um, might be of concern to the trans community, including um, data collection. How do we actually identify uh, trans people in uh, in these large, like government-based surveys where they currently are invisible? Um, and uh, other issues that come up in regard to like access to identification documents and um, impact of discrimination. Um, so my work is definitely focused on the gender identity piece and not necessarily not so much the sexual orientation uh, piece. But I've been there now for uh, over four years and um, I'm enjoying it immensely. Uh, my name is Sari Reisner. I'm a research scientist uh, at the Fenway Institute at Fenway Health in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm an LGBT health inequities researcher um, with a focus on trans uh, and other gender minority people's health. Um, I'm actually also finishing my training up at um, Harvard School of Public Health in the Department of Epidemiology, so I'm finishing up that fellowship, which was really terrific and which specialized in transgender health. Thank you. When I first heard about the TransPOP project, I was really excited, and I really wanted to talk to the two of you about it. Uh, Could you please start by explaining how it came about and what you hope to find uh, from it? Wow. Okay. Um, So first off, TransPOP is just uh, a shorter name for Transpopulation Project, and it has a colon and a longer name after it. I think uh, it was... uh, Surveying Transgender Health or uh, the Transgender Health Survey. Um, it's one of those it's a longer title long titles, that but TransPOP <laughs> was the sort of branding thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's now known as TransPOP. I was calling it the Gallup Project for a very long time. Um, and the way that it began is that Alon Meyer, who's a colleague of mine mm-hmm. at Williams, um, got a uh, NIH grant for a five-year study to um, utilize this question in the Gallup Daily Tracking Poll, which is um, a survey of a, a thousand people daily, about three hundred fifty thousand people over the course of a year. Um, and the NIH funding was to um, 
to identify people who, uh, through Gallup, who identified as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. And the way that, that uh, they would do that is by looking at this one particular question that Gallup asks of everyone. And it, it, I believe it's, do you personally identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender? And so anyone that says yes to that question would be uh, asked some additional questions to find out if they are LGB. And if they are LGB, they get enrolled in this study called Generations, which is uh, funded through NIH, the NICHD, what is the... National uh, uh, Institute of Child and Health Development. Yeah. So anyway... Um, but he thought, and I agreed, that it was a really wonderful opportunity to also identify people who identified as transgender. So not just uh, sorting out the L, the G, and the B, but also uh, figuring out who identifies as T. Um, so, uh, but the NIH grant only covered LGB, so uh, we looked for supplemental funding and were awarded a grant for the first year of the project. So if people say yes to that, do you personally identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender question, we will be able to then follow up and ask people um, if they identify as transgender out of that group, and if so, then they get enrolled in a, in a separate study, which is a trans-pop study, and they will receive a different survey that they will participate in. And that's also NIH-funded? Yes. Okay. How did Finley get involved? Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, good. so um, I, you know, uh, well, Alan and Jody, really, I would say, um, and, and Walter Bakhtin are, well, you know, Alan Meyer is leading the effort, and then Jody and Walter Bakhtin and myself are uh, co-investigators. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I was approached and, of course, really excited about the opportunity mm -hmm. um, because, as you know, you know, we don't have probability sample data on mm -hmm. the U.S. transgender population. We have, you know, Massachusetts, for example. We have some from California, but to really be able to get um, the entire United States is a very exciting mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. I wanted to geek out on the methods thing, which was I was really excited. So it's really characterizing the population in terms of demographics mm -hmm. and then looking at health indicators and then being able to benchmark again uh, against other kind of national statistics mm -hmm. to see you know, where the transgender population is related to that. And then also there's a unique opportunity, which Jody can talk about, um, to think about how we might weight convenience samples, that is, make it look like this probability sample study. And so be able to like think about what are the biases, you know, in our other studies, we could correct for some of that and really start to think methodologically, you know, about how to make our, our more rigorous samples. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Jody, if you want to talk about the upcoming opportunity. Well, yeah, so there, um, there are several mm -hmm. trans uh, related studies yeah. that are going to be going out into the field this year. It's a very exciting time, actually, um, for trans research. There is an enormous <laughs> knowledge gap that we are all aware of as people who research in this area, um, where we lack um, basic population parameters for the trans community for the trans population, and um, then some of the other studies that we that we learn from about trans experiences in the U.S. Uh, have, you know, sampling biases that we might not uh, be aware of because we don't have a population parameter to compare it to. We don't know how biased the samples are. Um, and so one of those studies that's coming out this year is going to be a, a new version of the National Transgender Discrimination Survey that was fielded in late 2008, early 2009. And this, this time around is called the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey. 
And um, we anticipate getting a rather large sample. Um, back when the NTDS was originally done, there wasn't even widespread use of social media or anything like that, and we got a, a sample size of 6,500. So it's an opportunity to find, um, to get a lot of details about mm -hmm. um, trans folks, but we don't, we won't are, are understand. Are you still talking about trans pop, or are you talking about the NCTE study? I'm now? talking about the NCTE study, because okay. when, even though we have a very large sample, we still don't understand how biased it is compared to the true population. And so something like TransPOP, which is going to give us some of the very first population-based data for trans people nationally, it's really an opportunity to have all these studies kind of communicate together to uh, just learn so much more about the trans uh, population in the U.S. I mean, I would say about the trans pop study, you know, the fact that it is learning about the transgender population is amazing, and we're taking specific steps to work with other surveys that are going on nationally mm -hmm. so that we can have comparable data mm -hmm. and look at how they differ. So, for example, sharing some of the similar measures and collaborating to make sure that happens, and I think that's a really, you know, it's a unique opportunity and also an example mm -hmm. of how important it is to kind of work together across research mm -hmm. projects and right. pool um, resources both intellectually and otherwise. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Very okay. well said. Well, probably the big question is how are you, how are you going to define and measure transgender? Mm, that's a good question. In trans pop, we don't really have a whole lot of power in that regard. Do you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, I mean, so the Gallup poll, the the do you do you personally identify as LGBT mm -hmm. question is set, right? So we're working within that already set mm -hmm. question. Um, and, you know, I think we've been talking a lot about, you know, as a study team, what are the potential biases, right? Like if you don't identify as transgender mm -hmm. or, or LGB, you mm -hmm. might not get in that, in that sample, right? So, but yep. we can use other data also to look at the back, right, and say, oh, well, we captured this in this other survey, but not here, right? So, mm -hmm. so in other words, it, it works synergistically. Um, but uh, so that, that's an identification question. Do you personally mm -hmm. identify as? Um, and, you know, once we get that sample of trans trans folks and then enroll them in trans pop, because that's what it is, it's an ancillary study to that, mm -hmm. then we can have more detailed measures mm -hmm. um, regarding different gender identities, including, mm -hmm. for example, like a write-in where people can actually, you know, write in how they personally identify themselves. Mm -hmm. So right. you'll be using the two-step? Correct. Yeah, in, the, in our supplemental survey to, to yes. the Gallup, but it is that it is a limitation that that is that is how we are enrolling people is through that identity based mm -hmm. question. So that really sets up the limitations right mm -hmm. from the outset, and then we're going to try to be more, as expansive as possible in our uh, in the, the survey that they they would then be enrolled in. Okay, so. Um, I'm a trans person, and I answered yes. I'm LGBT. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of questions would would a trans person be expected to answer as part of trans pop? Mm. Well, there's the initial screener, so um, we have to be able to sort out uh, non-transgender LGB people and people who are trans and also LGB. Um, so the first, very first question that you would get is, um, do Think of yourself as transgender, I believe, is the wording mm -hmm. of the question. We're still in we're, process here. So. <laughs> okay. We're working right. on okay. that. <laughs> I believe that's what we decided. Yeah. Right. And then that's the trigger for getting you into the, the, the longer survey. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know about measures uh, that would appear in that survey, what you'd be asked about, um, uh, several demographics, questions, age, race, uh, income, um, a variety of... 
interesting scales that Sari could probably talk uh, a little no, bit more men, about. You know, mental health, um, thinking about health service utilization behaviors, um, avoiding care, mm-hmm. um, things like gender affirmation, kind of social, medical, and legal dimensions of gender mm-hmm. affirmation. Um, you know, we're also talking about including physical health outcomes, asking people to, to self-report on their overall health. Mm-hmm. And again, we're choosing measures that would be consistent with other national surveys so that we can have a, a prevalence estimate that would be, um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, concorded. Right. Yeah, so we can say about how this population is uh, the same or different from the U.S. population generally mm-hmm. on a variety of those measures. Okay. So so this starts out with Gallup and, and, their, and their study. So who... So who will own this data set? Let me put put it like that for a moment. Ooh, well, that's a good question, actually. Um, I uh, I need to read the contract, but um, the Gallup Daily Tracking Poll, um, the questions that are the usual part of the Gallup Daily Mm -hmm. Tracking Poll would belong to Gallup, and in order for us to access that data set, we would actually have to pay a substantial amount of money. Um, So, but in regard to our data set, I believe that it would be, you know, probably housed at at UCLA, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the other institutions would be, uh, also have it. And then I think we would have some sort of process for for a public distribution of of that survey data. I mean, typically in the past when I've worked with data where there's a public distribution process, you know, there's a a form that people can fill out with a Mm -hmm. concept sheet and the team reviews it and there's a a process for doing that. So Mm -hmm. it would be similar. I mean, not exactly that, but that there would be a process. So so other individuals, say, um, other trans trans researchers, trans uh, students, graduate students who are looking to do trans work, if they're looking for a data set for uh, a master's or a PhD, they will eventually have access uh, to this data set? Yeah, yeah. Give, given the process that we that Absolutely. we described, mm-hmm. yeah. they. I mean, I think one of the things that we're trying to do is to um, make sure that there's not a lot of replication of uh, one partic- particular concept or one particular mm-hmm. study. Mm-hmm. So if we know that five people are planning the same study, then we would right. we would be able to alert them and say, hey, wait a minute, you right. know, this study is being planned, you know, five different ways already. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that would be part of the gatekeeping uh, process. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not to prohibit anybody from using it as... More of a absolutely uh, trying to be helpful, actually. Exactly. <laughs> Non-duplicative efforts rather right. than actually right. you know, restraining right. efforts. Well, yeah. with, that, with that in mind, what are the questions that you're interested in answering from this project? Mm. I mean, for me, I really, um, you know, it, it, characterizing the general population and the health of the population, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, this issue of waiting for me and being able to, fi- you know, figure out how does this sample look like comedian samples, how does it not, and how can we use both kind of to come up with probably, you know, the trans population, I mean, in my mind, and this is not uh, specific to the study, so this is just for me, as Sari Reisner talking, <laughs> I mean, it might be that the transgender population is somewhere in the middle, or some combination of, I mean, of different approaches, you know, so, mm. um, but we don't have this probability sample yet, mm-hmm. ever, so we don't know, so that's the exciting part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is really our first attempt to get some basic characteristics about uh, the trans population from a probability-based sample. So, um, you know, one of our, we have some, I would say, very basic desires, but also some more complex 
uh, desires for the survey. The basic desire is just to like, kind of map out demographics, right, mm-hmm. and just be able to characterize the population that way. But then uh, there are uh, all kinds of implications for research methodology. And um, topically, we're getting into, like, some health and mental health uh, questions that are very salient right now and or um, but also would be of use to researchers who are interested in more narrow angles. Um, like, for instance, if you uh, study um, suicidality or psychological distress, there would be, you know, variables there that would help you in your more fo- focused research. But so I guess uh, it's multilayered, I guess, <laughs> is what we're trying to accomplish. But I think we went into it just with some very basic desires for a uh, population-based sample that we could characterize a population with. Last question. Talking to someone, uh, maybe a transgender person, has no research background whatsoever. Uh, to that person, what would you say was the big deal about this project? Uh, well, I think it's revolutionary in that like, it's literally having transgender people count like literally, uh, and, and being able to have an estimate that we can use and hang our hat on for funding that will directly inform like health disparities work or health inequities. So to allow us to see that and document that and have funding flow toward ameliorating that, making it better for mm-hmm. our community. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that um, there's just very little that we know about. I mean, it, it seems like for those of us who are in uh, uh, in the midst of, of research uh, around a variety of issues that the trans community faces, that there are, um, you know, several studies and several data sources that we could look at. But when you look at the big picture, we just know very little about trans people and their experiences in the United States. And this is, I'll borrow Sari's word, it's revolutionary, the study in advancing knowledge about trans people and their experiences in the U.S. and health and well-being. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, this type of study design is the the design that people, you know, use Mm -hmm. uh, to, to... to, to make scientific inferences and to, like, uh, um, allegate funding. Right, you know? right, yeah. So instead of a, uh, it's a community-based survey, which is, uh, you know, very necessary, and they, they have been incredibly helpful in understanding trans people's experiences, but instead of it being a community-based survey in D.C., we're going to actually be able to say something about the trans population of the United States of America, and that's just really... Uh, Yeah, that's just really cool. That's uh, unprecedented. Well, with a lot of the community-based studies, um, many of the people know about the organizations involved. Perhaps someone may or may not know Fenway or William. Mm -hmm. Why why should trans people trust those two organizations? I would say at uh, at the Williams Institute, uh, we do um, engage in uh, rigorous research with, uh, you know, academic uh, ethics and standards, but I think the true test uh, is whether or not our research uh, is not only rock solid, but also of benefit and use to the transgender community. And so I will let people out there decide whether or not that's true. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that uh, I'm an ally or at the Williams Institute is an allied organization to the trans community because I think that's up to the trans community to decide. So, um, you know, you should look at our work and see what you think. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll like what you see. That's that's what I'll say. 
Well, so the Fenway Institute is at Fenway Health. It's the research, advocacy, policy, education division. And um, Fenway Health has been around for a while, and we have a large transgender patient population that we take care of. We take care of 1,600 transgender patients a year. Um, and so we have that um, you know, clinical experience and direct service experience with the community. It's not necessarily the national community, but that's our local community in Boston. In terms of the Fenway Institute, where we do research, you know, um, I, I've been working there for, geez, eight years. Um, and wow, yeah, really already? I know. Thank and um, I was like when a research assistant and you know, a little trans guy interested in all things and uh, ended up going back to school and it's really been my um, joy you know to be working in trans health and to build um, some of the research portfolio to be able to address like the larger issues beyond the Boston area you know so um, so uh, so I would say you know the mission is really to better the lives of LGBT people and you know kind of personally my own mission is the transgender community um, so um, yeah, I think it's it's an exciting collaboration. Mm-hmm. The Williams Institute is fantastic, and um, uh, I'm excited to work with the Gallup poll too. I, I personally don't have experience working with that structure, so um, you know, as far as my own training in research, I'm really looking forward to learning about it. Thank you so much for your time. I know Transpop is a success. One last thing, Jody, how did you end up with Fifty Cats? Ooh. Well, that's a good question, actually.